All right, quickly, turn in your Bible tonight with me to the book of Micah. That's an easy one to find. If you have a Schofield Bible, I'm sorry, I do not. <laughs> I'll tell you, if they stick together, it'll be page 948, all right? In your Bible, 948, if you have a Schofield Bible. And we'd like to welcome all of you, joined by way of live stream and radio, wherever you are. We've already had comments this afternoon from those who's watching uh, out of town. And the only thing some of them got, I'd hate to say what they got out of this morning's message, uh, was not biblical. It was just one of them Wolfenbarger open mouth insert foot deals. And I'm glad they got something out of the sermon this morning. Amen. And uh, so if you're listening tonight, Brother Juan, God bless your heart. <laughs> Wherever you are. And uh, one good thing about today's technology, you got to be careful what you say because it always is on something. They can pull it up. And uh, I don't know, that was several years ago, even when we were down to the building. Um, I was preaching a message, and I really made a mistake in the message, and we're sending the message out. And I had a certain two suit and a tie on. And uh, so some of the guys went back in the, in the old tapes, archives, I guess, and found me wearing that same suit and tie and pulled that excerpt out of that one where I blew it and stuck in that suit and tie where I didn't have anything to say. So you got to be careful. You can edit these things if you like. Have you found Micah yet? Micah chapter number five and verse number two, please. Now, mind you, this is spoken by the prophet Micah some six to seven hundred years before Christ was born. Longer than the United States has been a country. Six to seven hundred years before Christ was born, Micah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, Answer that phone, see if that's me. And I do have a dog for sale if they're trying to buy one. <laughs> and around here, it don't bother us when the phone rings. I just like to see Billy answer it. The closest I've seen Mary and Billy having a divorce is over the cell phone ringing in church. It's so bad as I have Mary's number. And I punch it every once in a while up here on the platform just to see Billy get mad. You know, you don't see Billy get mad often. I mean, I've never seen him really mad. But I've seen him aggravated once or twice. But now look, if your phone rings, answer that sucker. We don't care. Just don't call them back. But we're not going to have a big nervous breakdown over accidents happening, you know. Six to seven hundred years before our Lord was born. Verse two of chapter five. But thou Bethlehem, Ephrathah, thou, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Yet 
Out of thee shall come forth unto me. That is to be a ruler in Israel. Whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Notice the little word Bethlehem. As I read this morning's text in Matthew 2, we'll not go there tonight. But if you learn, turn to Luke chapter number 2. And I'd like to talk to you tonight for just a minute. Of all the cities in all the world. Why did God choose Bethlehem to be the city where the most astounding, wonderful, miraculous event would ever take place in all the history of mankind. If you and I were a member of the site committee picking the city where Jesus would be born, probably more than likely, Bethlehem would not even be considered. When they're picking a city for a wonderful event to take place, such as the Olympics, such as other things, there's usually a site committee that is formed that does research, evaluation, whether the infrastructure is as such, or if the financial situation of the city is as such, To make ready and to make way for all the traffic. There is always a site planning committee take place. Tell me tonight. If you were on the site committee. Picking a place. Where that God would be born. Would you consider. Bethlehem. By the prophet's own admission, the smallest, the most insignificant, the less heard of city or town or hamlet lying silently there among the hills of Judea. No notoriety. Not the center of any kind of event such as political, economic, or even Environmental. No one knew hardly anything about Bethlehem. In all of the Old Testament, covering the history from Adam until Micah and Malachi, only mentioned just a few times. I wonder, have you ever wondered? Or am I weird? Why Bethlehem? You say, preacher, I never thought about it until tonight. Have I whetted your appetite to you wanting to know why Bethlehem? Uh, You know, I love the Lord so much. I'd like to be familiar with every event, every peculiarity, every characteristic, everything about our Lord coming to earth. I'd like to know about it. And he has it right here in the book. 
Look in your Bible, if you would, please. Six to seven hundred years has expired. I read for you Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Now it came to pass. Oh, it did. If God said it, it always will. He said it six, seven hundred years ago. By the mouth of the prophet. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one unto his own city. Now, I bet you when the taxing and the decree went out for the taxing, I bet everybody laid the blame on Caesar. That stinking Caesar, he's after our money again. Uh, Caesar is nothing but a political, uh, 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 covetous uh, tyrant. Now, really, who was behind getting everybody at the right place? Maybe you need to quit blaming Obama. Maybe you start thinking that God is still in control. I'll guarantee you, you'd rather have Obama's president than Caesar. He thought taxing is tough. Now, get under this cat. Just every time he thought he needed something, he just raised him. Well, maybe I ought not have said that on Christmas. Is there anybody here in doubt but what God is in control? Well, I don't know what I'm going to do if Obama gets elected. You're going to go to bed tonight. You're going to get up tomorrow. You're going to complain about it again. And then go to bed tomorrow night and get up the next day and complain about it again. Because there's not one thing you can do about it. Because Obama... Or George, or Leroy Jim, is not in control. Got that now? How in the world is God going to get everybody in the right place? How's God going to get Joseph and Mary back to Bethlehem from down at Nazareth? A three-day journey. The lady's pregnant. They do not have limousines. It's three days on a donkey. But you know, God just uses the impossible to get the miraculous to take place. Now be careful. Don't get mad at me. Well, I don't know why things in my life like they are. Do you believe in God? Do you believe God can arrange the events in your life? Then why don't you quit complaining? Learn what God wants you to learn so we can get on to the next class. Because until you learn what you need to learn, you're just going to stay in that class a long time. I like the fifth grade. I stayed there several years because I fell in love with the teacher. (laughs) Are you with me now? Getting a Christmas spirit, that means you gotta. Okay, you're not in a Christmas spirit yet. 
Who's in control now? Who's in control? Now listen to me. Ladies, don't try to make your husband what you want him. You fell in love with him like they were before they are like you want them. Now, after you make them what you want them, you ain't going to want what you made them. Amen. And that's something. How many believe God's still in control? Watch this now as God gets this thing going his way now. And the Bible says, and Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 700 years ago, God said that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Of all the eastern cities, why Bethlehem? Unheard of, the smallest of the small, but yet the most important person in human history would be born there. Don't think God is not in little. God is in everything that's his will. God is in little churches. God is in small churches. God's in larger churches. And God's in big churches. You see, God has a reason uh, to to do this. Uh, In the Old Testament, the city of Bethlehem is mentioned hardly any. But if you look in your Bible, you, you might say to yourself, there is other cities that is mentioned in the Bible that is a lot more significant and a lot more convenient for our Lord to be born in. For instance, I, I don't know if you read much in the Old Testament, but if you read much in the Old Testament again and again, you see the city of Hebron coming up. Now you, if you read much about the, the city of Hebron, uh, Abraham lived there. Uh, Joseph stayed there. Uh, uh, Jacob was there. And on and on and on. And you'd think, well, bless God, surely uh, David is associated with Hebron time and time again. And so if I was on the site committee and I was voting, I think I would pick a city where at least some great champion for God uh, used to live there, stayed there, or at least pass through there. And by the way, One of these days, did you know the Bible even mentions the name of the inn that said we don't have any room? Uh, 
Why don't you, before next service, find out the name of the inn where Jeremiah stayed on his way to imprisonment. And maybe if you looked over there in 1 Samuel, you'll find the man's name that David, David become familiar with. Did you know that the end is named? And they didn't leave the light on. I love God's book. Don't you like God's book? You know, anything surrounding our Lord's birth and anything surrounding our Lord himself, anything concerning the Lord's will, I I think we ought to be interested enough to dive in, stay down a little while and find out some wonderful things out of God's book. And it has always been a mystery to me. Why Bethlehem? And maybe not Hebron. You know, if I'd been on the site committee, I think I would have chosen Jerusalem. The center of all the Old Testament after David uh, uh, captured it earlier. The center of all of Hebrew history is the city of Jerusalem. Of such importance that David said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Even years and years now has transpired. And guess where the center of all the, the, the history and the future of this whole world. Guess where it lies? It lies within Jerusalem. I'm not worried about what's happening over in Russia. Now, I, I'm not worried about what's going on in Romania. I, I love those folks. But you better keep your eye on Jerusalem. That's where the center of all of humanity and all of the events and all the future is going to surround Jerusalem. Now, if I'd have been on the site committee, i just believe I would have picked Jerusalem. If God had asked me, where should Jesus be born? I would say, let's find the centerpiece of all the Old Testament. Jerusalem would have been my choice. While you think about it, if you would, it's mentioned 611 times in the Old Testament. Bethlehem under five. I think if I'd have been asked, I would have chose chosen Jerusalem after all it's the center of religious and civil life in Israel by the way Solomon's beautiful temple was built there stood there marvelous for I bet to behold and for everyone wouldn't it have been convenient for Jesus to be born just outside where they've been making sacrifice for all these many years that was pointing toward the coming of our Lord Where the lambs were being slain and sacrificed. Wouldn't it be something if just down the street, the Lamb of God, that taketh away the sin of the world, came into being in that place. If I'd have been on the site committee, I just believe Bethlehem would have been my last choice. If Brother Chick had recommended Bethlehem, I'd have said, are you stupid? I could have called his wife and she would have cleared that up. She said, no, Brother Trace is brilliant. If Brother Jim had recommended Bethlehem, I'd say, did you go goose hunting there one time? Is that why you mentioned it? Not mentioned in the Old Testament. If I had asked Andrew, I'd say, do you have a deer stand put up there? 
The reason you recommended Bethlehem? Because there's no human reason for the city to be chosen. Or we could have chosen Nazareth. If you're talking about convenience, wouldn't it have been more convenient for Mary and Joseph who lives in Nazareth? Especially pregnant. At least you don't have to ride a mule for all those many hours. Wouldn't it have been more comfortable? Wouldn't it have been more convenient for Nazareth? That's where they lived. But let me tell you something. God don't always work on our convenience and our time schedule and our physical demeanor to do his will. Well, I'm just praying that God would take away this pain so I could serve him. Why don't you try to start serving him in the midst of your pain and see what God can do with the pain? Well, I'm going to get everything straightened out. I'm going to start serving God when I get all my crops laid by. Hey, it ain't even time to plant, let alone to lay them by. Why don't we just get involved right now? Quit questioning why God does this or why God does this. There is, I believe, a reason why God chose Bethlehem. So why did he choose Bethlehem? Because the prophet's own words said it's the least of all of thousands in Judea. There's two events took place in the Old Testament concerning Bethlehem. The only two events I know of in the Old Testament concerning Bethlehem. 611 times Jerusalem is mentioned. Nazareth is very, very common. I know many of you and most of you already know the events that took place in Bethlehem. One event is the greatest king of all Israel was born there. And he lived there and he was reared there. His name was David, the man after God's own heart. The king of kings, bless your heart. The great poet of all the Bible. The author of the Psalms. The great singer, the giant slayer. He was born in Bethlehem. The greatest love story in all the Bible. Had its beginning, had its ending. And had its birthplace in Bethlehem in the Old Testament. You might know of some of the actors. Naomi was her name. She left Bethlehem. The house of bread. And went down to Moab. The worst pot of the world. And she left the house of bread. Bethlehem. And went down to the worst pot. Lost her husband. Lost her sons. But found a friend. Whose name was Ruth. And she went back to the house of bread when she got tired of the worst part of the world. And she went back to the house of bread. And what do you know? Just coincidental. The one who chose Bethlehem for the king to be born is the same one that directed her to the field of Boaz. The near kinsman. 
And the love story begins. That's the only two mention of Bethlehem in the Old Testament. Yet, it blows my mind that such an insignificant little city by the prophet's own testimony, the smallest of all the thousands, the obscure city that laid silent, almost as if it did not exist, nestled yonder in Bethlehem, in Judea's mountains, lying there silent, unnoticed, unobscured. Perhaps that's why you've heard the Christmas carol sung over and over again. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. How still we see thee lie, unheard of, above the deep and dreamless sleep, a sleepy town in a sleepy part of the world, not mentioned, not in the headlines, lying there, sleepy if you please, and the silent stars go by. Have you ever heard that song? Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light. Amen. Yeah, yonder in that stall, if you please. Homemade stall made of slats and wood and straw. The everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in the tonight. I kind of get curious sometimes. Why Bethlehem? Why not Fort Worth? Maybe even as renowned as Joshua is. No, no New York, not Jerusalem, not even Nazareth, but that still, sleepy, silent little town of Bethlehem. Could I ask you a question? Why? Have you ever wondered? Why? Well, preacher, I don't make a bit of difference. It does to me. And since I'm preaching, you'll just have to enjoy it. Even though I'm probably enjoying it more than you. Why? Bethlehem. Definition. You already know. The definition of Bethlehem is the house of bread. House means occupy. House means place of dwelling. House from which something comes 
something lives. House of bread. Anybody here like bread? I like cornbread. I like light bread. <laughs> I like wheat bread. I like bread. I'm going to go to China. Teach him how to spell bread. You go to a Chinese place or a Japanese place, oriental place. No bread. You ask the waiter, do you have any bread? No comprinta, yes, I. <laughs> oh, I'm mixed up, right? <laughs> I like bread. Bethlehem, the house of bread. Small and significant. First reason I think that God chose Bethlehem for Christ to be born the house of bread is to identify with the common man. He was not born in a castle. He was not born in the house of royalty nor the house of riches, nor the house of celebrity. Jesus was born not in Jerusalem, not in Rome, not in Athens, not in Alexandria. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. A common city, a common place where common people lived and common people went about their business, and common people everywhere, no celebrities, no governors, no presidents, no politicians, Jesus wanted to identify with folk like me and you. So he wasn't born in Washington. He wasn't born in Jerusalem. He was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the house of bread. Bread is one of the most common things in the world. Everybody knows what bread is. God wanted his son to be available to all because all need stand in need of him. And so he was born in Bethlehem. Micah said he was the smallest, if you please. And I am so glad tonight you don't have to be rich. You don't have to be popular. You don't have to be one of Hollywood's woe on the top scale. Thank God. God loves us all. And so he sent his son down to this earth, not as a celebrity, not as a rich man, but as a common man in a common town to common parents to save common folk like me and you. You say, preacher, God cannot save me. Why don't be stupid? You don't have to be righteous for God to save you. Look at John. You don't have to be smart for God to save you. Look at, better not say. You don't have to be pretty to be saved. Look at me. You can just be anybody and be saved. 
God can scrape the bottom of the barrel, bless your heart. And when the bottom of the barrel is scraped, he can turn the barrel over and pick you up out of the miry clay, bless your heart, and set your feet on the solid rock. And he wants you to know that because of the place he chose for his son to be born. Oh yeah, he was born in Bethlehem, just a common town. Nobody knew hardly where it was located. And if our Lord was not born there, probably tonight no one would even know where it was born, where the place is. Oh, I am so glad that my God loved the common man. I'm glad he didn't die for valedictorians. I'd have never made it. But I'm glad he did die for valedictorians for the few of them that there are in the world. I'm going to learn to spell that one of these days. I'm so glad that God died and sent his son for we who needed him so desperately. Aren't you glad of that? Huh? You say, preacher, I don't like you. You should have seen me before God got a hold of me. You really wouldn't like me back in those days. Amen. I didn't even like myself. But God loved me. Aren't you glad of that? Jimmy, are you glad that God loves a a 16, 17-year-old boy in an insignificant town in Indiana. And you ain't the prettiest sucker I ever see. But you're a good staff worker. I'm glad that God died, I mean sent his son to an insignificant town, to a mundane town, to tell you and I That there's no big dogs and little dogs in God's business. We're all just sinners that need to be saved by the same God. Amen. And I'm so glad. I kind of got a blessing out of that, Jim. That our Lord was born in the house of bread. Just to realize he wants to identify with you and I. Have you ever met anybody that high-headed you? (laughs) And the next time you meet them, oh, uh, I'm sorry. What did you say your name was? Just tell them Jesus. They'll remember that. You may not remember it, but just tell them your name's Jesus. They'll remember it every time. Try it. Say, have I met you before? Oh, yes. Don't you remember meeting Jesus? That's me. That's not sacrilegious. A lot of folk name Jesus. And you don't forget his name. How could anybody forget Wolfenbarger? My God, it's not like they find one of them on the street of our day. It's just some folks think they're better than you. And they walk around their nose so far in the air. If they walk outside while it's raining, it drown. Huh? You met them folk? Jesus didn't come to Jerusalem because he didn't want to impress the religious folk. Didn't go folks down Hebron because they had shrines and altars built. Built by the hand of the father of the faith. Abraham. When they brought footprints in the concrete. Do you know who those are? Those are David's footprints. Don't stand there. Jesus didn't go to those folks. He, he came to the common folk. He said, I think maybe we better be born down in Bethlehem. 
Folks over in Hebron and folk down at Jerusalem, the folks at Nazareth, they'll misunderstand. Let's just send them down there where they ain't nobody important. Are you glad you're common? If you're not common, you need to get there. Because you're no better than anybody else. Can you say amen? Huh? I watch all these guys with their entourages. And they have all these bodyguards and everybody running around and spending. How much do you think it cost us to send our president on his vacation, the last one? Well, he didn't take a taxi. You're welcome. Just thought I'd ask you that. How much is jet fuel? I wonder if we, I wonder if he went over there on a credit. And I wonder who's going to pay the bill. Point number two. Christ was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread to satisfy our spiritual hunger. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Can anybody identify with I am the bread of life. This is John 6.35. I am the bread of life. And he that cometh to me shall never hunger. Oh, the house of bread. Oh, the bread of life came from the house of what? Does that make sense to you? If I am delivering bread and somebody asks me, where did you come from? I would be correct in saying I came from the house of bread. That makes sense. Do you know why Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Because when he left the house of bread, he was taking bread To everybody that was hungry. And he said, if you taste of me, you shall never, never get hungry again. Completely satisfies, could I have an amen? Completely gratifies, completely strengthens. And oh, it is so terrible today as I watched our church members and I watched folks who are saved and I watched them chasing after that which does not satisfy. And I watch them as they Start following after things that does not satisfy. And I watch their children watch them as they begin to chase things that does not satisfy. But I tell you tonight, if you'll take a little taste of Christ Jesus, he will completely satisfy your hungry soul. Have you read the book of Isaiah lately? And if you did, did you stop long at Isaiah 55 and verse 2? Now listen, if you would, please. Bethlehem, the house of bread. Christ was born there, left there, the house of bread with bread that satisfies the whole world. Oh, listen to me. 
Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which satisfieth not. Are you listening? The devil's bread is never going to satisfy you. How much money do you need to make you happy? Rockefeller said just a little more. How much booze does it take to satisfy the craving and the, and the yearning and the yelling for flesh? How much booze does it take? Can you drink a case and you never need any more? Or do you have to make another visit to the liquor store? How many camels does it take to satisfy that nicotine spell? How much dancing does it take to satisfy the lust in your body? How much sex does it take to satisfy you? How much pornography does it take? No, you'll never have enough. Because you are drinking at cisterns that will not satisfy. And God says, why do you do that? Why do you do that? Bless your heart. Don't you know that most men are sorry? So why do you ladies surprise when you marry a saurian? Fix him. Because the next one you find will be just as sorry as they are. You don't get them saved. And you don't get Christ in their heart. He'll be a loser all of his life. And when you can't find any hope in that one, you'll throw him to the side and try to find you another one. The same place you found that one. You men, you can't satisfy the longing of your soul peeking into a computer screen at night when everybody else is asleep. Ugly, dirty pictures. Will never satisfy. They will only addict you. Well, my wife ain't meeting my need. Somebody need to hit you with a 18 wheeler. No woman can ever fulfill the vacant that's there for God. You can't find that except you come to the house of bread. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only he can cleanse and make you whole. Oh, how many folks are chasing a dream. Get rich schemes. Pyramid schemes. I'm going to be rich. And what this world's all about? I wonder why Jesus wasn't born in Jerusalem. The religious, civil, and economic center of all the world in his day. He could have been. Maybe that's really not what's important to God. Preacher, you stop preaching, started meddling now. 
You know what happens to the spirit of Christmas? We start wishing Jesus is born in Washington, D.C. instead of Bethlehem. He didn't come here to make you rich. He came here to make you righteous. He didn't come here to satisfy your lust. He came to satisfy your soul. Are you listening? Hearken diligently unto me. Eat that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Oh, listen to me tonight. Jesus was born in Bethlehem so that he could identify with a common guy like myself. And that he might satisfy that spiritual hunger that God has placed in every one of us. Lastly, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, to show us that salvation is personal. Now, I had today, I, I was sitting down at Outback, out front, begging. Nishai, that's what I said. Had a little gold cup, Nishai. I didn't get any money because that's Hebrew and nobody understood it. It means alms for the poor. It's what the fellow was saying at the beautiful gate there in Acts. You remember? He'd been drawn and taken there by someone else for all these years because he could not walk. He sat there, Nishai, Nishai. I saw Brother Billy walk in, him and Brother Taylor. They saw me and they turned around and walked out probably. There's going to have somebody bring their beer in later. I looked out there and they had bud and everything in the parking lot. I had a, a delicious steak. It was wonderful. Cooked just like I like it. What do you think about it, John? Really? Bread eaten by somebody else will never satisfy your hunger. Bethlehem, house of bread, common man. Fulfill your hunger. No matter how much Brother Cone eats. It's not going to satisfy anybody on this side of the aisle. It's personal. Yeah. Common. Fulfilling. Personal. See, if you haven't been to the house of bread and been Filled by the bread of life. You're still hungry. And you'll look everywhere in the world. Trying to fulfill only that which he 
can fulfill. Have you ever wondered why Bethlehem? Because he loved you. The common man. The sinner man. I know many of you look at spiritual giants in our church like Brother Jim and Brother Garrett. Say, man, sure wish I could be like that. You can. You just got to go to the house of bread. Get your head out of the bottle. Get your head out of the video machine. Get your head out of your job a while. And let God. The Bible said taste and see that the Lord is good. Would everybody say amen to that? Man.